Well, we've come to that part of the programme where we have a look at the Bible. And this week, we've been looking and thinking about Psalm 78, looking particularly at verses 1 to 8. And it goes something like this. My people hear my instruction. Listen to the words from my mouth. I will declare wise sayings. I will speak mysteries from the past. Things we have heard and known and that our ancestors have passed down to us. We will not hide them from their children, but tell a future generation the praiseworthy acts of the Lord, his might and the wondrous works he has performed. He established a testimony in Jacob and set up a law in Israel, which he commanded our ancestors to teach their children so that a future generation, children yet to be born, might know they were to rise and tell their children so that they might put their confidence in God and not forget God's works, but keep his commands. Then they would not be like their ancestors, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation whose heart was not loyal, but whose spirit was not faithful to God. So Pamela, what are your thoughts on those verses? How did you become interested in history? My interest in history only began by hearing a fascinating part of an episode in history. For example, a real act of heroism or someone blundering onto a significant discovery. From that small part of the story, I want to know more. I want to know about the events that led up to that particular act and what happens afterwards. When I'm hooked, I want to know the whole story. The same is true for classical literature. If you approach me and said, you must read this, this is a classic, my response will be no way or begrudgingly read it, but not understand the book. An example of this was my attitude to Shakespeare. Then seeing Lancelot, the clown in The Merchant of Venice, in his performance in Act 5, which made me laugh hysterically, from that performance, I wanted to know more. And when we studied the play in school, I didn't begrudgingly read the play. I wanted to know more about the whole story. The psalmist is reminding us of the importance of teaching future generations. There is a responsibility on us as adults to ensure that our children know of the Lord. At the time of writing this psalm, history was learned orally for the majority of people, telling of the mighty works that the Lord has done. This is how generations came to know of God. Today, it's our responsibility that, to ensure that our children know of God. From knowing of God, this prepares the soil. The parable of the sower illustrates the point of having good soil. When the seed, the word of God, is receiving good soil, it can produce fruit. With knowledge of God, the heart is prepared to the word of God. When I read this psalm, I was immediately reminded of the hymn that I was taught at primary school. The hymn was, tell me the stories of Jesus I love to hear. One of the lines that's repeated in this song is, stories of Jesus, tell them to me. From those stories of Jesus, can come the need to know more about Jesus. It's not just the stories, but it's the relevance of the story that needs to be explained. This knowledge could develop into salvation and come into someone. Just remember that Philip encounter with the Ethiopian on the desert road. This man was reading from the prophet Isaiah, but his response to Philip's question of understanding what he was reading was, how can I understand unless someone explains it to me? How can we expect others to come to know Jesus by telling them the story and explaining to them its relevance? The events of the Bible are over 2,000 years old, but the lessons of the Bible of the salvation of Jesus is still relevant today. 
Also remember the commission that Jesus left us as disciples. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nation, baptizing in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Teaching, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. We have the command to go and to teach. Star Wars didn't reach Stafford Cinema until 1978, and I know because I was there as an excited three-year-old boy. I only really saw about five minutes of it because once Darth Vader appeared, I hid under the cinema seat until the final credits. Now, this passage makes me think about Star Wars when it goes on about things from old. I imagine the opening titles of each movie with those famous words, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Specifically, it reminds me of the scene where the mysterious grey-haired Ben Kenobi blows young Luke Skywalker's mind by telling the stories of his ancestors, the powerful energy known as the Force, the mysterious Jedi who could wield this power. The galaxy had been grounding in fear and hate by the dark side, taken over by an evil, self-seeking, corrupting energy. But Obi-Wan reminds Luke to take courage. There is an opposite to the dark side, a light side of the Force, a pure and good entity, and to take courage. This is the reveal of the film's full title, Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope. Obi-Wan Kenobi, by explaining this essentially gave Luke his testimony, a public declaration providing personal evidence or proof that something exists or is true, which others cannot dismiss, they can either accept or reject. It's easy nowadays to be cynical of testimony with the rise of social influencers paid to promote a product or websites that post fake reviews to encourage extra sales. That is not testimony, that is an advertisement. A true testimony is not about personal gain. It's not something made or dressed up to enhance oneself. It is built on test, on struggle, on overcoming trial. You're saying, I'm human. Sometimes there seems no way out. And right now, life may seem impossible. I was in that situation, but I got through it. Let me give you a new hope. I also think there is a weight to testimony when life experience is applied. My son is nine years old, but still thinks he knows more about life in the universe than me. And as much as I love him, I would never go to him for financial advice unless I wanted a bag of sweets. Now, as the verse insinuates, let's not discount the value of those before us. Job 12, 12 says, is not wisdom found among the age? Does not long life bring understanding? So a challenge today, if you are a believer, are you testifying to others what God is doing or has done in your life so others may know and put their trust in Jesus? To heed my own words, I testify that my life has had problems, challenges and trials. And in those difficult times, I don't know how I would have coped without my faith. God can turn difficult situations around. I like how Rick Warren, best-selling author of A Purpose Driven Life, testifies these words. If you give it to God, he transforms your test into a testimony, your mess into a message and your misery into a ministry. Looking at Psalm 78 and verses 1 to 7, the importance of teaching the Bible to our children and therefore future generations is pretty clear, especially in verses 4, 5 and 6, and then the reason is in verse 7. If you are a churchgoer, you've probably all done a stint of teaching Bible studies to children. I've done quite a bit over the years, but in the distant past. In those days, I had 
quite a clear sense of God's heart for teaching children and young people the Bible through the words of John 21 verses 15 to 17 where Jesus says to Peter feed my lambs care for my sheep and feed my sheep the lambs came first since reading this psalm and thinking about these verses from the gospel of John my mind has been on how do we communicate the gospel to future generations We give Gideon's Bibles to 11-year-olds in schools. Does that work? Sunday school is rare and in decline. Youth Bible study is rare and the Bible is not taught in schools. And what is the alternative to being brought up with biblical values? Actually, we know the alternative to teaching the Bible to future generations is almost certainly moral and spiritual decline. The period of enlightenment in the 60s and 70s, when it was normal for most universities to have a culture of liberalism, socialism and even atheism, had a lasting generational effect on the so-called educated elite. Many teachers graduated influenced by these hegemonic norms and that influenced their teaching of the next generation. Verse 8 of this psalm says, If we do teach our children, then they would not be like their ancestors, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation whose heart was not loyal and whose spirit was not faithful to God. I don't have all the answers about how we communicate the Bible to future generations, but it is a question that we need to very seriously consider and find answers and implement them. Before it's too late. This psalm reminds me of a story in Genesis where Abraham plants a tree in the desert. Genesis 21 verses 33 to 34 says, Abraham planted a tamarisk tree in Bathsheba, and there he called upon the name of the Lord, the eternal God, and Abraham stayed in the land of the Philistines for a long time. It's a tree you don't hear about much these days, is the tamarisk tree. It's mentioned in the Bible only a few times, in 1 Samuel 22, in chapter 31, and in Genesis, in the story of God promising the promised land to Abraham. Abraham said, I believe you, God, and he planted a tamarisk tree in Bathsheba. Why did he plant a tamarisk tree and not some sort of other tree? Let's have a quick look at the significance of the tree. The tamarisk tree is of the same family as the American salt cedar, and it has the same leaf and colour of bark. The tree itself can get much bigger in the Middle East, while others are just a bit more bushy looking. It's an extremely slow growing tree and has to be cared for in order to do well. Very few grow in wilderness settings. There are usually around communities where families plant them on their property. To a Bedouin or a Jew, you don't plant a tamarisk for yourself. You plant it for generations to come. From the Abraham story, they took the idea that he was planting this tree to say for generations to come, my family is going to be here. This shade is for the generations to come. I'll never get to use it. How much of what we do in life is done just for ourselves, for our comfort, for our profit, for our satisfaction? Do we do anything to bless or to plant a seed for the generations that are to come? Is there anything that you are currently involved with that will outlive you. Just a thought. Do something this week that will benefit people long after you are gone. <laughs>